Hey everybody, this is Mike Joseph, host of the Detoxicity Podcast. Before we begin this week's episode, I want to remind you, please subscribe, rate, and comment on this podcast wherever you're listening to it. You can find me on Instagram at DetoxPodGuy and on Twitter at TizMikeJoseph. Reach out via DM with comments, or if you know someone who'd be good to feature on an episode, or if you yourself would like to be interviewed, you can also email me for that. I am at DetoxPod at gmail.com. Finally, just want to remind everybody to wear a mask and social distance. Please be kind to others and be kind to yourselves. Thanks for listening, and I hope you and yours stay and remain safe and healthy. Hey, everybody. Considering the time that this episode is being released, I want to make sure that I wish all of you who are celebrating a holiday, whether it is Kwanzaa, while Hanukkah's over, or Christmas, I want to wish you a happy holiday and happy holiday season. Now, of course, there's a chance that you're listening to this and it is February or April or December 2021 or whatever, in which case, that was my cat, by the way, in which case... I want to wish you just general happiness. Just wanted to leave that note because as I release this, it is the holiday season. My guest on this episode is Alex Marco. Alex is one half of the band Satellite Mode. You should check them out. He's a producer and a musician, and uh, we have a really interesting conversation. This was the second conversation we had that was a little heavy. Uh, we recorded a conversation with both members of Satellite Mode, him and Jessica Carvo, in reaction to the sort of racial uprising that happened earlier this year. This conversation does cover that, but it focuses more on Alex as an individual, and we talk about growing up, uh, his exposure to music through the Beatles and then jazz and then pop music. Uh, we talk about what the compromise is between becoming popular and making money and being true to yourself. Uh, we talk about finding a glimmer of hope in hard times. We, t- we talk about being neurotic, and we talk about some healing mechanisms for anxiety, which include a drink that he turned me on to. So check out my conversation with Alex Marco. I hope you enjoy it. So, hey, I'm Alex. I am a musician in a band called Satellite Mode. I play the keys. I also produce music. I consider myself a songwriter and producer. I love reading books as well. <laughs> I'm an avid reader. I love, I love books. I love having deep philosophical conversations about the universe. And most of all, I just love feeling the widest array of emotions and trying to spread those emotions through music. First question, related but not related. Every musician has a side hustle. What is your side hustle? My side hustle is a lot of random, sh- a lot of random shit. So I actually went to a business school called Babson College. It's a, a school focused on entrepreneurship. So one of my passions in life is being like a self-sustainable business of my own, not working for somebody. So at Babson, I was the Sorensen Art Scholar there. I was the I was the one of few, maybe you could count them on your hands, amount of artists there among a lot of business people really focusing on my art. So there I tangentially learned a lot about business. So I actually got to one, you know, learn about the music business. I did like a lot of internships at actually the I only did really one internship it was at Network Music with this guy named Dalton Sam. And I worked for the band Guster and learned a lot from them. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Gusteroid. Oh, you're Gusteroid? Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> I, lived I, uh... in, I lived in Boston for eight years. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I started out as an intern there, and then I actually developed a pretty good friendship with with Brian, their drummer. And that's um, awesome. Brian seems like a really dope, like a really good guy. Yeah, Brian. Brian is a dope, really good guy. Very, very empathetic, which I really like about him. He feels a lot, and he's also really a really good mentor and he's also like open to learning which is cool like he's like it's like a two-way street because I'm kind of the new kid on the block but I know a lot about that technology stuff and the Spotify and all that stuff so you know he taps my brain for that and I tap his brain about more of the big picture like so how do I be how do I get to your level man you know like, what, do we, <laughs> what what do I gotta do you know so yeah I learned that in, at Babson and then as far as like a side hustle, I do, I'm really good at PowerPoint. So I do like random PowerPoint stuff. And then I, I mean, how does that work? Do people like call you? Like, yeah, like hey, I, Alex. Have some, I have some contacts from, from school and they, they know how much I love doing music, but they also know like how important it is to like, you know, make ends meet and all that stuff. So I have like one friend in particular who like kind of like throws like random stuff at me from time to time. It's like, like kind of do on the side to help support the music and uh, the music business as well. So in addition to that, also produce other artists and do like a little bit of pitch work, but that is more of like a, more of a, like, I want to get into that more, but then my musician friends that are into the pitch stuff, like some love it and others are like, don't do it. So I'm like, hmm. a little fence. but I mean, my main goal is to like live a hundred percent off of music, but there is like a little bit bit of me that like actually enjoys like non-creative work in a way like because there's an end to it whereas like when when i'm like 80 percent of my life maybe even 90 but probably closer to 80 is like doing you know producing satellite mode records like writing my own songs working with other artists and it's sort of like a nebulous thing because like you could always be making your art better you could always there's no like end you could endlessly revise forever right whereas when you're working on a powerpoint deck like it's it's done you know you have like, a deadline you have a deadline made. yeah and it needs to be made so like i did you know i did have a full-time job at one point before i was in the industry and like you know after a while i was like i can't do this anymore like i cannot do it but and i always was doing music on the side and then i flipped my life around and now it's music but like I, I still think there's like for any musician like there's still or any artist rather there's still like a a good quality and like doing work that like is not as nebulous it's like kind of like soothing like it's all about balance like you don't want to like not do art anymore but like there is something to be said about like you know more straightforward work and it kind of helps me with my production as well because it's like when when I I, I could give myself a deadline or like if there is a deadline, I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I could think of, think about or approach it in this way. And I think it's like my business background has really helped me out with music a lot. So I'm very happy for Babson College. <laughs> big Jeez. shout out to Babson big, College. Big, big shout out to Babson for sure. So what got you into music? What was your like light bulb moment where you were like, oh crap, I want to be a musician? I would say... A, a, hearing a day in the life by the Beatles for the first time. I mean, I'm, that's probably like me and like a million other people. But I mean, growing up, I always was like infatuated with it. Like when I was like seven or six, I started taking piano lessons because my mom saw that she would put on classical music and I would like do like 
weird dances, like <laughs> choreographed dances in the living room because it moved me so much. And I, I, I took piano lessons and like, I didn't, I didn't really dig them. Like I, I did them because like, it was cool, but I didn't actually love music until I started learning about jazz. Okay. Um, and I, I switched to saxophone. I, I got a saxophone and I started playing saxophone and like, I went to my mom, like my mom and dad both worked. So I went to summer camp and I was like, mom, let me go to jazz camp. Like, I don't want to go to like the YMCA and like throw dodgeballs all day. Like send me to music camp. So I went to music camp and I learned that like with jazz, you don't need to like learn like the charts. You could just kind of like improvise and feel your way through the music and interact with the other players. And I was really good at that. And I was, and it came really, really easily and naturally. And I started like excelling at the saxophone. And then I got turned on to the Beatles for the first time. And I was like, oh, like, like it's kind of classical music. It's kind of pop music. And it really got me into like songwriting and like loving, like not just like the art form of music and the art form of jazz, but like writing songs. So then I, I started, I started like, writing a lot of songs i liked i like the beatles but i also you know i also love green day a lot that was the other band i, fu- there, I fucking there's nothing green wrong day. with green day or the beatles yeah i was obsessed with green day and uh, obsessed with the beatles those are like the two biggest influences in my my musical career so like i guess it was like a stew of jazz like like saxophone the beatles and green day and then I was really classically trained at the piano because I took all these piano classes from like from when I was six. I was like every week I go to a piano teacher and I didn't like it until, I mean, she was a great teacher, nothing against her. I just- No like six reading. year old wants to sit around and play piano. Exactly, no six year old wants to sit around and play piano, but like I learned all like the skills so I could like really easily express myself on the piano. And jazz taught me how to like let go sort of express yourself subconsciously and like feel the spirit as they say so like with that with that combo of like even though like i I could do that on the saxophone but being able to like do that on the piano and then take that into songwriting and like putting those feelings into words that was like more of the beatles and like quite honestly green day so that's kind of my musical journey there's nothing wrong with that it's really funny because i did an episode recently with another uh, friend of mine who was talking about going to jazz camp. And I'm like, if you're under, I mean, if you're under 50 at this point, but particularly like 30 or under, and you know, my friend Matt is turning 30 this year. Like, how do you in like this world find out about jazz? And what is it like being like a jazz kid in like the 21st century? I, I can't imagine like everybody's listening to like, Britney or Taylor Swift or whatever, and you're like listening to jazz. Yeah, I I mean, look, like my jazz guys, like my jazz teachers when I was in jazz camp, like they hated all pop music. Like, sure, pop music, pop music was the devil, and I secretly liked it, you know. So like they'd be shitting on like the newest pop song or whatever, and like I was like, I like Green Day, like I like the Beatles, I like this easy, easy non heady stuff, but like. You kind of like, I think jazz, the, the thing I love about jazz, you just got to do your own thing and have your own voice. And like, you shouldn't be like, if you like Britney Spears, like, hell, like, 
like Britney Spears. Like if it gets it, if it gets you going, gets you going. The thing about the thing that the thing about Britney Spears is that like in any pop musician for that matter, it's like there's like 20 people behind that, you know, right. like and they're all super talented at what they do. It's it's I haven't like when I was growing up and I was like you know 19 or whatever 18 and I listened to Britney Spears I'm like this sucks like I don't know. <laughs> right of course and, and now and now like I'm listening to it as a music producer I'm like holy shit like that's a tight bass line like yeah. how do they like damn like oh I see what they did there and I'm like damn I like Britney Spears now like you know it's like it's like damn it like how do you do that um, so I guess as a, as I'm getting more in tune with like music production and songwriting I'm like well there has to be like it's something about 90s pop there's like something there which like i i can't do and i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to write but there's it's like deeper than surface level than i i want it to be really shallow you know <laughs> it's it's really good ear candy and it's yeah. structured very well hey like look like i all like i'm the type of guy that like if i love a song i go into the you know the the credits or like all music and see like okay who are the writers on that and then i'll go deep and like what else did they write right cuz i i think like that's how I learn, you know, it's like, it used to be like, okay, I've listened to mostly every Beatles song, you know, and I know that they're great writers. And that's why I really love like that era of like the 1960s and 70s, because like, the dudes and dudettes playing that music are the ones playing the music. Like, don't get me wrong, like they borrowed most of it from, you know, like older older times and musicians that don't get the credit like like you know you can say rock and roll blues jazz like all of that but but like but with with the beatles not as so much i'm not as much of a stones guy but with the beatles i feel like you know i i feel like a lot of it was like super original and like like they were they were really pushing it and like you could like take songs of today and like point them to like oh yeah that Beatles song kind of yeah oh absolutely yeah I mean the Beatles for me you know the Beatles are brain music and the Stones are like butt music yeah but you need that butt music sometimes yeah yeah so where did you grow up I grew up outside of Philly in a, a suburb called Newtown it's in Bucks County Pennsylvania Okay. Um, randomly, a lot of like musicians come from there, and a lot of music people randomly. But like, it, it is it's also in like in my circle. But it was like a smaller town. It was like you you could call it, like a purple place, which I kind of like. I think that's why I, I think I I think that's why I'm like came out the way I did because there's like a lot of really liberal people. There's a lot of really conservative people, and I got to like see how like. America kind of should be with like people on both sides like talking you know like sure. there was a there was a lot of bullshit you know there definitely was like you know bad bad people but there was also a lot of really good people and like I think I think like for not growing up in a city because like, it was like a very suburby town it was like a really good experience for me because I saw like there it, like I saw like a lot of diversity in the sense of like views not necessarily like people right but, like, in, in views so but yeah, I grew up, I grew up outside of there and then I went to college in Boston, which, you know, it was a, like, I, I, college was a little rough for me. Like I really loved the school. I really loved the education I got, but like, I kind of wanted to really be in the city and like learn from my experiences. And, and, and I was lucky enough to like be able to move to New York after, after college. And, and now I live in Brooklyn. Was, was that a goal when you were in college or even before that, were you like, I'm going to end up in New York one day? 
it was always between New York and LA and it always was LA. I'm not going to lie to you. I was always like, I got to get to LA. Everyone was always asking me like, yo, are you from California? Like, are you a California dude? And I was always like, no, but like, I got to get to LA. I got to do the LA thing. And like, every time I would go there, I would just be like, you know, like, do I need to get to LA? Like, I love the idea of LA. I just never ended up there. And I always like, I always thought I would. I've, I have my cousin who's like my clone. She lives in LA with her family. <laughs> And she's always like, why are you in LA? You're so LA. And I'm like, I don't know. But I think the thing I loved about New York is that I guess like it's so authentic and it's so like real. And when I went to LA, I felt like it was more like, the thing I loved about it is that it's slower, but the, the thing I didn't like about it is it's so slow. And I'm like a neurotic, like you don't, you don't know me that well, but you could tell I got a lot of energy and I like, yeah. you know, I like, like, let's do this. Let's do it. We're going to do it. Cool. So like, yeah. Every time I've been in LA, the thing that there've been a few things where I'm just like, eh, not the same for me. But I think the thing that sticks out the most is just that people are so relaxed and I don't, yeah. and not, not urgent. Mm-hmm. Nothing's urgent. Yeah. And I can't live like that, man. I, I, I can't. yeah. I, I mean, I lived in the Northeast my entire life and I can't like, you know, I don't know if it's the weed they smoke or I it's just, I can't, I can't be that chill. No. I, I, I would like to at some point be chiller, but yeah. that chill, I, I don't think is really like an option. The thing about LA though is like, when I was there for like two weeks once, you kind of sink into it. And Do like you? after two weeks, I was like, okay i see like i'm in the smog i'm sl- all of a, like all of a sudden the smog has slowed me down and <laughs> and i don't really care that much i'm like what's happening you know like slowly and then i got back to new york and i was like whoa holy crap like what happened you know i got yeah. holy shit like so like a week a week in la is like two days in new york you know what i mean <laughs> like that's kind of how i felt yeah like, oh, I would yeah. blink, and I'd be, like, 92, and it would feel like three years. <laughs> I'd be happened? I went to LA for four, three weeks. Oh, yeah. God. So how did satellite mode become a thing? Like, how did, how did you and your partner in the band hook up? Yeah. Be, uh, so we randomly got linked up by BMI. They have this writing. It's sort of like they, they're really cool about like the New York scene. Like the people at BMI are really cool at like, like linking people up. And they had this sort of like writers sort of hang. I mean, at BMI, it was like, like three weeks where like you just like come, you share your music and then like you write a song with somebody. And I met a couple of writers through that. And Jess and I met through that and we were both like doing our own thing i was in like a like a beatles-esque band you would never guess i'd be in a beatles-esque band. <laughs> but I, I was in like a beatles-esque band um working a full-time like corporate job doing music on the side and jess was in like her own like she was going by her own name or i, I think she was either in a band or going by her own name doing more like adult alternative like sarah Bareilles type music okay and like we were like, well, like our, you know, our overlap isn't really like that much. So like, let's just like try to write music for pitch and write other people and just like, just do it. So like, we like, first of all, like after that BMI, we didn't like talk for like, I don't know, like six to eight months. We were just doing our own things. And I just like went on G chat. And for some reason she was on my G chat because G chat was like still a thing when we 
Like, that's how long we've been doing this together. I mean, G-Chat is kind of still a thing. I mean, if someone G-Chats me, I'm like, did you, like, accidentally, like, <laughs> on the enter button? Like, oh, I man. Back, but, like, you might have accidentally. So I G-Chat her, and I was just like, yo, you want to, like, do a session? And she was just like, okay. Like, I haven't talked to you in eight months, but, like, music. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so we wrote this song in a session. And I was, like, actually listening to a lot more, like, electronic-type music, like, indie electronic, not, like, electronic electronic, indie electronic, like, MGMT, Hot Chip, Mike Snow-type thing. So not, like, stadium electronic music with, like, a bunch of drunk people in Huvazela's, like... No, like, no. indie indie electronic, like, right. Tame Impala-type stuff. I was, like, how about, like, instead... Because I was already doing this, like, rootsy thing. Not rootsy, but, like classic rocky type thing how i was like why don't i just like try something a little different more electronic and jess and i like wrote the song in, in a session and we're and like we like listened back to him we're like wow like this this isn't like a pitch song like this is like a sound and like this is something we're both like really into like let's do that and and like it was it happened like so naturally we both wanted to do something different so we were like let's record like three songs that sound like this and like put it out and see what happens and like we did and we threw it out on the internet we like emailed like blogs were still like really really influential so you, you would like go online and like find blogs and like email them and right. we did and Sp- it was like spotify was like really looking after in- indie musicians so like we emailed noisy and like which is now like really funny to me because it's like now it's like oh i have to go through my publicist mm-hmm. blah, blah. we just fucking we just fucking emailed noisy and we're like yo we uh we're a band <laughs> this song do you want to write about it and they wrote us back okay and we're like this is the easiest thing in the world how come no one else does this so noisy wrote about us and then we threw it online and within like a couple weeks it just hit it caught fire and it got like it was like the number two most viral song in the world for a week. And like, we, I was like, holy shit, like, I'm not doing this corporate job anymore. Like, <laughs> I, I like, I've proved to myself that like, I am good at this. And Jess, like, obviously was like, holy shit, like, I, like, we both been, we both have been doing music seriously, like, maybe not full time, but, but like, she's been, she was doing it full time, but we both been doing music seriously, like our whole lives. And this is the first time, like, the world kind of stopped and like went yo good job guys you found each other you should keep doing this so we like kind of took that as a sign and like ever since then ever since like we found all that that i guess you could call it validation in a way yeah uh, we just kind of focused in, in on the project and like made it our priority because we know it works and we know that people like it and it, we kind of use it as our outlet so that that's sort of like the story in a nutshell That's an interesting story because I feel like, particularly in the case of a duo, it's very hard to to find two people who aren't like childhood friends or like a romantic couple or brothers or sisters or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. It's just two random people who are like, oh, you make music? Oh, I make music. And, you know, there not be like, I guess, like a, a dramatic backstory to it. Yeah. And that's like, honestly, we've had trouble with that. Like, we want, we always want to have this dramatic backstory, like, oh, yeah, we're brother and sisters, we're married and divorced, or, like, something cooler, and, like, we always, like, we're, like, should we make one up and just, like, roll with it, and, <laughs> and we're, like, you know what, like, look, like, it may not be this, like, amazing story, but, like, at the same time, it's, like, 
like, wanna, like we want to be authentic. We want to tell people like who we really like, what we really are. And it's like at the end of the day, we both just love music, and we we both love being able to like do it for a living. And on top of it, like we have a very very deep close relationship. It's like definitely not romantic. We have like very serious partners, but like in a way that like makes Justin and I's relationship like kind of deeper in a way because it's like we kind of like express things to each other on like a very, very, very deep level that like we may not be able to express with our romantic partner, like your family members. And like, it kind of like gives us that outlet to be like even more honest with each other because there's like absolute, it's like a judgment free zone completely unapologetically. So it's like, it's like the ultimate safe space. That's awesome. I've never heard it described like that before. How personal is songwriting to you? I mean, my songs are me. And, and like, what's cool about, like, working with Jess as a duo, it's, like, you get those two perspectives. And and so, you know, they're half of me, I guess. But the, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, it's extremely personal. And I think it's, like, the cool thing about songwriting is, like, twofold. Like, one, I I really try to focus as much as I can on, like, having people like feel what I'm feeling without even needing to know the words that I'm saying like I feel like that's like super important to me like magic like it's like being like having like a psychic power like I think music is like the ultimate psychic power like there are those times where like you have like that super happy song and has super sad lyrics yeah like, yeah like that's cool but like I think it's like cool if it like it, it aligns if like the vibe of the song like makes you sad or if it makes you feel love or if it makes you feel lost or if it makes you feel pumped up I feel like it's really important. I think it's like, it, it, I think also it really served as therapy to me. Like, I think like having music as an outlet to like let like the emotions like flush from my system. It's like, it's, it's like I could feel like I just cried for an hour after playing music, you know, just like having that sense of like letting it all out. That's really important. And then like within satellite mode, Jess and I try to like, like have a question like the, like one of the exercises we do is like kind of have like a question we're trying to answer like a conversation about like a certain topic and like dive into it that way i think that's been like really cool so it's like our view on on like what we feel is going on in the world from a political standpoint our view on like you know relationships our view on like a lot a lot of, i honestly a lot of what we read about is like feminism and and i you know I consider myself a feminist. Jess is obviously a feminist being a female fronted rock, rock and roll chick. But so like a lot of it, it's a lot of it's that, but like, I think a part of the struggle that I've had with the music and that I'm like through talking to my music musician friends is like removing like the success part from the art. And I think like, like really making it so like, your your songwriting your production your artistry is good enough you know the fact that you're able to express yourself in more complex ways you're able to express yourself in simpler ways which is like hard sometimes and you're like getting better as an artist is enough and i think like the number next to spotify streams like <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> bugged me way too much and and if i were to give advice to my like myself it would be like, hey, like, focus on the art and focus on getting better. 
And I think that's something that I'm like very much learning because I do see the songs as me and I want me to have like 10 million, 20 million plays next to my name. But, you know, if you think about it more as like, if you see it as you and it's a great piece of art that someone will listen to, it should be good enough. So that's like where I'm starting to see myself grow into more mature artists is focusing on the craft. In, in relation to music, there are people who use music as a way to become famous or get rich. Mm -hmm. And there are people who use music as a therapeutic outlet or a means of expression and then make records or become a part of the music industry, not also to get rich and be famous, but to express themselves additionally through art that can be very personal to them. How do you keep your soul and still make music that you want to be accessible? It's tough. I just had a conversation with uh, someone I just met this weekend in an outdoor space, socially distanced. Oh, and okay. <laughs> just making sure. That's very um, important. Yeah, no, it's, it is. So yeah, I, I met him for the first time and he's uh, like a, a, a reggae musician and he was like, really focused on reggae and like that genre and he like had this revelation he's like look like i love reggae i love writing reggae but like he's like i want to kind of like dip my toes into writing pop because like i want it to be more accessible and and and, and i you know i always leaned towards pop music with my writing style mostly because i'm not smart enough or good enough oh. to like really be like a cat at jazz and like compose like classical music like i'm my brain doesn't work like that you know but i i could hang i could hang but like to be like writing like a heady piece or like a, a, a long composition like people do that better than i three and a half minutes i got you yeah and then then, then then again yeah they 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 some people are too too focused on composing and they can't like get that earworm that's just the two things it's like and it's in a way it's something you can't teach too like like having your own voice through pop music is just something you like you got it or you don't you know what i mean and like classical music like it is theory it is math it is you study it and you get really really good at it and there are classical musicians who have who have it quote unquote but there are some who just are extremely smart and extremely well practiced and it's just a different vibe so if, if you're in it for the money like i i i, I wouldn't do it and if you're in it for the fame there's also like way more ways to get famous now <laughs> like way easier unfortunately ways to get yeah it's you like know. as as a musician it's like like i feel like we've we, we've been the underdogs of the artists for a while like we've but but like because, like, painters and sculptors, like, they don't get famous until, like, they're 200 years dead. But then, they're, like, <laughs> That's true. then they're not going anywhere forever. That's you know true. what I mean? You got, like, you have, like, Beethoven. You have Mozart, the classical, the classical guys. You have, you know, jazz musicians. But, like, you don't, like, people don't, I mean, people obviously listen to Mozart and Beethoven and, and, and other musicians. But, like, they're not, like, as hot. But like Van Gogh, Van Gogh's like pretty hot right now. Like I just, I went to Amsterdam and he has like his own museum. He's got his merch. He's got people like standing in line to go look at Van Gogh. Like 
I was like, damn. Van Gogh merch. I can't even, I mean, I guess I can't imagine. Like being a musician now, you have to be doing it because you love the art form and you love music. Jess and I, I mean, honestly, like Jess is my closest musician friend, obviously, because we're in a band together. But like, we joke about it and we're like, we're blessed and we're also like fucking cursed, you know, because it's like, it's a weird, it's a weird profession because it's so nonlinear. It's so, it's so, it's like a exponential curve with an exponential drop. It, it, it's like, and the entire way you're just confused. Right. Well, so it's all a roll of the dice. There's so many different, like, arbitrary factors that come into play at totally arbitrary times. 30 days from now, a year from now, three, three years from now, you could either be here or you could be here. And mm-hmm. you just have no fucking idea. And it doesn't matter if you were here or here those 30 days ago. You could be right. on top 30 days ago and then like no one ever knows your name is laughing at your song. Right. So it, it's like, that's why I'm like at least telling myself and giving advice to Alex, to, you know, five years ago that you should probably be doing it because you love music and you love making music, not because you want 10 million Spotify next to your name, not because you want to be playing stadiums. Right. That stuff comes arbitrarily i believe i mean there are like marketing geniuses and there are like ways to creatively market yourself and that comes along with a package and that's something that like i didn't know about until i started doing it like i was like oh you just write great songs <laughs> oh man and like you dance <laughs> and like it's easy you know like at first it seemed like that like honestly and then like as we as i've been doing it, it it's more and more like okay you made the sweet songs you do the fun part now do the hard part getting people to listen to that getting people to listen to those songs and like doing something engaging enough outside of your music to make people like like you as a human i always loved seeing like musicians as like otherworldly creatures like the david bowies and like like even the beatles to me and like i feel like now with social media it's like i see like the the most famous musicians like brushing their teeth right and like which like I could just be getting old, but I just like the mystique of the artist, which I thought was really cool, is like kind of gone. The mystery is artists, gone. Yeah. yeah. There are artists that I respect that still have it, but for the most part, it's gone. And like, I'm trying to figure out what that means for me. Cause it's like, I could take videos of me brushing my teeth, but like, do people want to brush my teeth? Like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I don't, I, I don't find brushing teeth a particularly interesting activity. No. I did get mate all over my toothbrush this morning, you know. I was trying to brush my teeth and make mate at the same time. At the time. same time? Look, if you want to try to, multitasking is one of the most horrible things you can do. And I, I do, I, I still do it all the time. It's so bad. Well, just sort of know, and I actually kind of need to learn this. Sometimes when you're multitasking, you'll be really good at it. And sometimes when you're multitasking, it'll be like, all right, dude, one thing at one time. Then mate. And neither one of them is such a pressing issue that you need to do them at the same time. I think that was the main problem is that like I could have just done one or the other, but like no, I didn't like, I'm, I'm gonna be big and bad and I'm gonna do both things at the hmm. same time. I was feeling really big. I was feeling <laughs> really I was feeling like the big man on campus this morning. <laughs> and it just turned into a green toothbrush. Oh so Mate, I you you've turned me on to Mate. I thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Is that like a healthy living thing? Is that like an I don't want to drink coffee anymore thing? Like are you like a I spent uh, a lot of time backpacking in Central and South America, and I had, like, a lot of good experiences there, and 
they have this thing in Peru. It's actually coca leaves. It's like what it's it's what the Madre Picchu was built on essentially. And they have great coffee. Uh, and like I went to Guatemala and they have great coffee in Guatemala. But like in 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 Peru, like I would just kind of like be drinking this coca tea all the time. And I found out it's very illegal in the United States. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that is what co- cocaine comes yeah, from. The coca that's where cocaine comes yes. from. Yes. And it's very illegal. But I found this great legal alternative in mate, which is it's basically like the same effects of that, just from a different source. But I think the reason I like it so much is one, I have anxiety issues. Like I like I definitely am not the most chill guy. You know, I'm a New York neurotic Jewish type man. And when I would drink coffee, I just felt like, you know, it would bring a lot of like negative energy out of me. I, I, I know it's good for you and all. And it is? I think it's good for your heart. I think. Okay. It, but, but like no one knows. Like no one knows. No one knows shit. Like, what I'm that, that's, that's, that's not why anybody's drinking coffee. No one's like, oh, this is great for my heart. I'm going to. Yeah. No one's doing it for the heart. But like it's, I think a cup of coffee a day like isn't bad. But like it, it was giving me like a lot of anxiety and like I didn't like it. So I, I, I turned to mate, which like, you know. The thing I like about it is that, like, you kind of just, like, keep refilling your cup all day, and, like, you're hydrating yourself. So, like, I felt like I was being extremely, like, I drink coffee, and I got, like, extremely dehydrated, and I wouldn't be able to, like, rip it, as they say, later <laughs> in the day. And with mate, I, I could, I could kind of just, like, keep drinking and, 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 like, do it, get, like, more of, like, a sustained sort of thing. But, dude, I did it all. I used to do, um fucking what bulletproof coffee do you know what that is what's that it's when you get dude i wouldn't recommend it but like you get indian butter called it's called ghee Uh i'm familiar with ghee yeah you get ghee and you put it in your coffee and you like blend it to make like a frothy frothy brew and you drink it and and actually the fat like releases the caffeine like slowly throughout your body throughout the whole day it's like basically drinking like eight cups of coffee but it's like a slow a slow release yeah so i started doing that i did that for like i don't know like two months and then like i started having like heart palpitations from all like the butter i was like that sounds dangerous (laughs) yeah so (laughs) I, i stopped with that and i went back to regular coffee now i'm with the mate you know, I'm a, I'm a little fat. I go through fads, I guess. But right now, I'm very much into this. But, like, it also reminds me of backpacking through South America and Central America, which I have very fond memories of doing. So it gives me, like, a little bit of a throwback. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was, like, a health thing or, like, a hippie thing or a... Yeah, it's, it's not. I don't even know. Like, like I wish I, I, I wish I knew more about it. Um, I just know it's cool and, like, the bags that you get in are so huge and it's like four dollars or whatever like 10 bucks and you get this like huge bag that's like this big and it's like i don't know it's, it's very inexpensive yes it is very economical and yeah. my cat apparently really likes to smell of it because it does smell like catnip kind of so i like does the anxiety thing is that like something that you you like grapple with on a regular or is that you know is it just yeah. being a neurotic like new yorker well, I didn't know how anxious I was really until uh, I started going to th- I, was th- I started going to therapy about a year ago. What uh, was the catalyst? I, I gotta ask because I am a very big proponent of therapy. 
Yeah, so, the catalyst was crippling anxiety. <laughs> okay, it all ties together now. It got to, it got to a point where like my girlfriend was like, "You gotta go see someone. Like you're you're not healthy," sort of thing. And I mean, it was a lot going on at once. I think it was just like there was so much going on. I, I honestly like if I wasn't in the music industry, I don't know if I would have ever gone to therapy. I probably would have thought that hey, you know, I'll get through it. But like when, especially with somebody like myself who has more, I mean, look, every, first of all, everyone should go to fucking therapy. Amen. Every human in the universe should go to therapy. But I think it's especially helpful for people with non-linear type uh, lives. With, with like, like, I don't like, I don't know necessarily where the next paycheck's coming. I don't know necessarily if my song is going to do well. I don't know if I'm going to have to go on tour. I think it's like really good for me personally because like it lets me like accept things. But the reason I think everybody should go to therapy, whether you're in a, you know, a nine to five or whatever, or, you know, working at a restaurant or whatever you, you may do is because you could objectively see the way your mind works. And I think that is like the key to self-help is being able to take a step back from yourself, from like talking to somebody about your mind and seeing it from yourself, like, wow, my mind's really racing right now. I should probably chill or I should probably breathe. Wow. I'm really like really sad about this thing that happened. Why am I dwelling on it? Oh, maybe I should stop dwelling on it and I'll get less sad wow, like I'm having trouble like accepting this viewpoint. Maybe I should look at it from somebody else's perspective instead of my own. Like just like a lot of objective thinking. And like, that's something when you don't go to therapy, you forget that like your mind is actually like not, your mind is something that you could actually have look at itself. It's like hard to explain. (laughs) It's very hard to explain, but it's something that's going on that like you could like actually look at and you don't look at it unless you like start to realize some of your mannerisms and I've gotten better over the years but like over the year actually I would say but like I am not ever going to never I'm never going to not need therapy you know I I started meditating daily I've been doing that for about two years now it helps but like it hasn't really helped until I started applying it to situations in life. You know, like you can meditate, you can meditate daily and like you got a good 10, 15 minutes of like just breathing or like doing a guided meditation. But if something pops up later in the day and you freak out, like, it no, it's kind of all for naught, right? It's all for naught. You have to sort of like learn how to take that 15 minutes and apply it to somewhere else. And with therapy, it's the same sort of thing. Like you talk to somebody, a professional, hopefully about it and they can analyze your thoughts a little. And like, you know, I'm lucky enough where like it's normalized in my, in my circle, like therapy is a very normalized thing, but I know there's like a, a taboo about it for some other people, which I think is like, emasculating I guess is the word some people especially men probably feel that like I'm a man my emotions shouldn't rule me I shouldn't have emotions I shouldn't have emotions and I mean I am much more emotional than my girlfriend 
I will I will say, and it's I'm chilling out. I'm I'm chilling. I'm I'm getting cooler, but I mean, it's not a man woman thing. It's like it's a human thing, and right. it's just like what society, you know, tells you. I guess as men should be brawn and emotionless, but it's not the case. And I think learning how to like it's not necessarily about controlling your emotions. I used to think therapy was about controlling your emotions, but to me now it's more about like accepting them and like, and letting them like happen and like, like giving them their time and like letting them fade out because you're never going to be like, I never, I'm never going to get angry or neurotic again. Like it's just never going to happen <laughs> like ever, especially to me. And like, it seems like yourself as well. Like it's never going to fucking happen. Right. But there may be a way of like when it's happening being like oh hey anger how you doing you're here again all right well we're gonna like we'll rage for a little but then like let's let's go away you know right. like that I'm, I'm getting better you know i i still deal with it a lot like i have like certain things i do that like probably induce anxiety like put put a lot of pressure on myself okay like the need to get things done very quickly, like not necessarily accepted, but like being like, like having that number next to the, 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 the song, you know, I think things like that, but I'm, I'm definitely getting better over time. And I would, I would highly, like, I would highly recommend it to anybody just who wants to get to know themselves better and like actually like interact with other humans better. It's something that you should do. And I'm on like, there's, there's places that you can do it where it's not like super duper expensive that do it on like a sliding scale too. Yep. Especially I've in been, New York. Yes, especially in New York. I've been telling some people I know about, you know, my therapist works on a sliding scale because he doesn't accept my insurance. Mm -hmm. And there's always, I mean, if you look around, there's always someone that will take care of you. But I, I, I like, I'm looking forward to the next 12 years because hopefully I learn more about myself. And I think it's like the best way to get to know yourself is through therapy. What is one thing that you wish that you would like to know about yourself like more? One thing that you want to get like deeper into exploring? I want to know what, like, what I'm really scared about. Like, I don't know why, I don't really know why I'm like anxious and fearful about the future. Cause like my conscious mind is like, dude, you have people who love you. You're smart, you're healthy. You're not going to like struggle financially, even though like you are, but like, you know, if for God forbid, like something happened, like you're not going to be out in the street. Like, that, like I have that, that not everybody else has. So like on a conscious level, like on paper, I'm writing down all the good things about me. <laughs> like, I'm like, wow. Like, if you told me it wasn't me, I'd be like, wow, this person's got a everything. Yeah, what this a life. Person has, this person has everything. But there's, like, a deep-seated fear that I have that I don't know why I feel that way. And like, I guess fear and anxiety is, like, why am I scared? Why am I anxious? Like, on paper, like, this paper I just wrote, fucking good. This guy's the man. And I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know if it's death, if it's a fear of death if it's a fear of excess, a fear of meaninglessness, if it's a fear of not being able to like be as like influential or like not being able to change the world. Like, I don't know. I mean, those are things I think maybe. I mean, is that a goal of yours to change the world? My, my goal, like, I think my goal, I like, 
it's not necessary to change the world, but it, it's like if I could like make people's like as many people's lives better as I can while I'm on Earth, that would be good. That's sort that's of a noble my, goal. That's what I would like to do. I thought and still think that like music is like the key way to doing that. You could reach a lot of people with your music. So I that's why like that's one of the big reasons I'm doing it is because it's like like we were talking earlier like if you could have one person just like hear it and be like wow like this is gonna change the way I feel you know it's cool and it's like great and it's my soul speaking to people but like I think that's that's like the ultimate goal it's like not necessarily fame or fortune even like because money i i more money more problems like they, like, <laughs> like yeah. yeah i mean it's great to have in a sense but like also it's like very stressful like the, like no one just has a bunch of money and it's like stress-free you know what i mean it, it's more about like positive impact and like i guess if you want to boil that down to influence like you can but it's less about like influencing the art form more about like just like making some people that I don't know happy even like a hundred years from now. And like, that's kind of like my goal in all of it. And why I'm fearful and anxious about it is really stupid because I'm trying to make people feel good. So like. <laughs> I mean, but if you, if someone a hundred years from now hears a satellite mode song and it changes their life, I mean, you, you, unless some, there are some very dramatic changes in science won't be around to experience that. So I, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, can you have faith that something you do will have a positive impact on the world, even if it happens after you're not here yourself? Yeah, and that's sort of the that's sort of the thinking is kind of like letting go, and like that's why it kind of comes back to like the craft thing, because it's like Van Gogh like wasn't famous until like after he died, and like a lot of really famous artists aren't famous or aren't like renowned until after they die, and like. They're artists that never even want to be recognized, like Banksy, you know? So it's like, it's like, I already know that, like, I've had impact on people through my music that I wouldn't have if I wasn't doing music. I really, like, you could really say, like, if I'd never wrote another song or, like, Justin and I never put out another uh, album or EP or whatever, I could probably technically die happy because I know that, like, I, I have enough body of work where, like, it's in the ether now and, like, someone will listen to it again. But it's still like, you know, there's always that like more, you know, there's always sure. more and it's never going to be, I mean, maybe one day I'll just be like, that was it. That was yeah, my life. I'm done. Let me hang up my hat, you know, like, <laughs> that may, that, that may happen. But like right now I'm still, I'm still pretty hungry for more. And I think like that drive is getting turned into anxiety when it should be getting turned into like positivity. Like I'm lucky that like, I could go and make some fucking music. Like I have set up my life in a way where like I wake up in the morning, I do like my routine and I go make music. Like I'm very objectively blessed to do that, but I still stress about it. And it's, it, it's not necessarily, it's like a wired thing too. You know, it's like, it's the way I'm wired a bit. So that mate. It's, dude, I got a child with a latte. Not about it. Damn, dude, I got to switch over to like, like, like green tea or something vanilla. <laughs> like find, find your center and some tea. I guess the that that piece that we just talked about kind of really kind of encapsulates what you want the future of Alex to be. Mm -hmm. Like you're just trying to like create a body of work that will live on. Yeah. 
how are you coping through everything that's kind of happening in the moment? I, I mean, it's very, it changes a lot. It's like waves, you know, like sometimes it's super rough and I'm like, I'm never going to be able to, I'm never going to be able to do, live my life again. You know, and other times it's like calm and it's like, oh, you, you're given all this time to like write and like be indoors. And like the thing that's hit me the hardest, like it's been two separate things. But the thing that's hit me the hardest through like the COVID is like, I love people. Like I really love, love, love people. It's like, I, I, I love being around people. I love meeting new people. I love experiencing that's how I feel like life is experienced through people. Like traveling is like my jam. Like I love, I love traveling. I love, even if it's just like, like when we, when we were touring, I just like going places and meeting someone I would have never met in Minnesota, you know, like I just loved it, you know, like, or backpacking or going to Europe or going to fucking wherever. Like I love, like, I feel like you don't live unless you see the the world and new york city to me is like the closest thing you get to like backpacking and traveling is because like you could see the world in new york you really can i really think you could like kind of get a, a slice of the world there and the level of diversity is just so so great compared to pretty much every place else exactly it's the world in a nutshell and i think it's been really hard for me to sort of see that like kind of disappear very quickly and it's made me scared about about it in New York and seeing like an exodus and like seeing like artists and and, and people like mid, middle class people who were like were living in New York like getting by and being like you know what fuck this you know like right. I don't want to do it anymore it's scary to me and like I I, I don't want it to diminish into somewhere I don't want to be at and I also don't want to, don't want to like not meet people so that's been like very very tough the the other thing though is like. It also like sped things up in a weird way like for a lot of people like if you were like about to get fired from your job you got fucking fired you know what I mean like if you were you know if you were like trending one way like it snapped there immediately so like it was kind of like eye-opening for me because like it happened with a lot of things very quickly I'm kind of glad that like I kind of know like where I stand with all things in a way so that helped me with with the outside of COVID with Black Lives Matter movement I mean, that, like, we talked about this in length, but, like, for some people, it's been going on for, you know, five years, and, like, they're like, what the fuck? I've been talking about this for five years, and you're just talking about it now. But for me, personally, like, in New York, in, in, in Brooklyn, in New York, going through that, I mean, I, I, I think, like, it, it like, lit a, lit a fire for the world, and I think it was something that is going to, like, have a lasting impact, hopefully, if people continue to have conversations and it's just something that I'm like really proud of that is happening in the world. Like even like everyone's so disconnected, I was like, wow, everyone could really get together and connect. Yeah. Even though like we can't physically connect. So like, I thought like that was really special and it, it honestly gave me a lot of fucking life knowing that like people were like down to fight and down to band together for equality. The way I'm feeling now, like, is just really confused um, about like what the next step is. Like there's, you know, America is having outbreaks all over. 
I mean, Brazil is having outbreaks. There's like a war, wars going on in the Middle East. There's the Chinese Uyghurs in uh, getting in concentration camps. There's so much going on that's negative that like I'm trying to find that like light of like hope, that shimmer of hope. To me, that's the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, I think that has like been like the shimmer of like goodness with the world right now. Like the the fact that like everybody's behind that. But other than that, like I'm trying to look at the positives in the world. I'm like, I don't fucking know. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it is really hard. I, I you know, and I'm sort of prone to depression as it is, but there are times when I you know, go on CNN.com or go on Facebook and it's just like, wow, this world is a complete fucking dumpster fire. And I don't know how or when it's going to get better or what I, I mean, I don't necessarily worry about what I can do to make the world better because like I said, you know, before we went live here, like there are actions you can take to make specific individuals lives better. And you might not even know about that you know, like, click a button on a remote and kind of make all this shit, like, reset. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, um, like, it, the world it, just doesn't work like that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it can feel it can feel insurmountable sometimes. Yeah. And, I mean, the only thing I try to think about, which I don't even know if it's true anymore, but I try to think about it and it makes me feel better, is, I guess, like, a couple of things. Like, one like history is like kind of like repeats itself and it's like cyclical in a way so like in in a way like we've already as like humans like came over shit like this before so like we'll come through it again just differently and the second thing is which again i don't know if it's true but i say it to myself to make myself feel better (laughs) the second thing is that like every like 30 40 years maybe 50 years like things slowly trend good like humans trend like we trend good it's at like 0.05 percent a year 0.0005 percent a year but like we're we're still trending good like there are bad things but like as a whole we're trending good i hope that like that is like hardwired into us you know and like i think it is i hope it is i hope it is but that is like i still like like i said like i love people i have faith in people i i think that people are more good than bad and i think that quite honestly i think people are all connected i think there there is a universal thread that we, I mean, this is going to get heady, but like that, like, we cool. don't, that we don't know about consciously, but subconsciously that there is a connection between people, probably all living things that we aren't aware of that is trend good. I would like to believe that Alex. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> I said, like, like I said, I don't know if it's true, but I say this to myself. To make but we need the world. The thing is the world needs people that believe that in order to, to move forward. Yeah, I I have a lot of faith in like even though like the t- like the, the like they're like love TikTok and you know technology <laughs> like I still have faith that like I, I think I I like I, my friends that are of that generation I vibe with they're very accepting they're very 
in touch with their emotions and they were they're like pretty kind to each other like there is like cyberbullying, and again there's bad right stuff but like i mean i could just have really cool friends that are younger you know it could be it but the the, the, the couple that i'm thinking of are like you know they're very um in touch and i think they're gonna they're i think that generation will be good for for us and they're very environmental they believe in like the earth you know global warming and accepting people for for who they are so I, I don't know i think if like you said earlier like you know you could do little good for people you can't you can't just hit a remote and have it go off it's never going to happen right but if you do that little good like for me it's like writing a good song or like having a tough conversation or ha- like donating some money to a charity that i like or going on a protest for equality and like human rights helping your friend out who's fucking sad and calling right them. right you know, like little things go a long way. And if everybody just thought like that and wasn't so like angry all the time, we would probably be a lot more chill <laughs> as a society. Y'all, positivity is hard. And I, I, I don't encourage anyone to participate in that Pollyanna kind of positivity where you don't see reality. But I do encourage folks, and I think Alex feels the same way, I encourage being pragmatically positive, where you you wake up in the morning and you're trying to do good things and you hope that there is a, a good resolution at the end of the day. Um, I do believe that the world is going to be better and that it can be better, and we've got a new year coming up. And here's our opportunity to make some changes. So whatever you can do to make positive changes in your life, please do so. Thank you, Alex Marco, for being on the show. You can find Alex's work with Satellite Mode on the internet at SatelliteMode.com. They're also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The Instagram is Satellite.Mode, and Twitter is Satellite Mode, one word. And you can also find their YouTube channel on YouTube, of course. And uh, that channel contains an interview that we did earlier this year, the three of us, uh, Jessica, Alex, and myself, uh, about racism in light of the uprising earlier this year. I would advise y'all to check that out because it's a really good, mostly off-the-cuff conversation. And of course, I'll remind you again to please subscribe, rate, leave a comment. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, it is much appreciated and only helps our mission get out to more and more people and uh, make sure you follow me on social media i am on instagram at detox pod guy and i am on twitter at tis mike joseph if you have an idea for a theme or a guest or if you yourself want to be on the show you can reach me via either of those social media platforms or you can or you can email me at detoxpod at gmail.com once again i am mike joseph this is the detoxicity podcast I wish you continued safety and health for you and yours. Till next time. Peace, y'all. The Detoxicity Podcast is hosted and produced by Mike Joseph. Music provided by Calvin Williams. Logo provided by Jacob Block. I want to thank y'all for listening again. Peace.